Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Brian Thatcher, and welcome to this podcast of Mercy Unbound. Today, I get to speak with noted author Ted Flynn on his latest book, Garabandal. It's available at sign, S-I-G-N.org, and at Amazon and Kindle. We're going to talk about the warning or the illumination of conscience, the uh, miracle, the chastisement if things are not met. And uh, it's a it's a wonderful book and discussion. I hope you enjoy it. Please sign up and subscribe and share this show with others so we can spread the good news. It's really a message of hope. God bless. Have a wonderful day. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Brian Thatcher, and welcome to Mercy Unbound. It's a show that aims to provide hope and avenue for healing and one that will help you better understand and then live the great mercy of God. With me today, I have a longtime friend, an incredible author. Um, he's the author of numerous books, executive producer of several films. He attended the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, American University, University of Freiburg, Switzerland, as well as the London School of Economics. He and his wife, Maureen, have a beautiful ministry, and you should visit their website at sign, S-I-G-N.org. His books uh, include Thunder of Justice, The Great Reset, The Globalist Plan versus Heaven's Victory. But today we're going to talk about his latest book just out, Garbandal, The Warning and the Great Miracle, The Divine Reset That Will Correct the Conscience of the World. It's available at sign.org, Amazon, and Kindle. And, uh, you know, I enjoy reading the books for all my interviewees, but um, this one's on a scale of one to 10, I'd give it a 15. And uh, Ted, it's great to have you back and welcome to Mercy Unbound. Well, thank you, Brian. I always enjoy it. Let's get into this book. Uh, you've been doing research on this for many years. When, when and how did you get involved with Garbandal? Um, it's, it, it, it's kind of a circuitous route, like most things in life, maybe through Providence, but for, literally 40 years ago, um, I met a man, um, in our local parish and just in a general conversation, he brought up this apparition of Garabandal. And, uh, I knew, I, I don't even know if in 19, I don't think I had ever heard of it. And I was kind of fascinated by it. You know, uh, uh, I had visited many shrines throughout the world, like, you know, Rue de Bac, Guadalupe, La Salette, uh, and other many other places, Medjugorje. And so um, when I heard about this, and then I began to read the messages, I was somewhat mesmerized by it for the simple reason I've been a student of history since I was a boy. I, I still read a lot of history. I'm reading a book on Stalin right now, and uh, I'm sorry, FDR and his secret war of how he used the intelligence community. So in other words, if you want to know the future, study the past. And so I've been a student of how civilizations rise and fall. The United States is the 23rd great empire in world history, and we are following exactly all of the major steps of the rise and the descent of previous empires. So that's maybe a, a longer answer than anybody would have expected. But I saw how where the United States was moving 
and how Garabandal fit a lot of the aspects of what would happen. And so this person, this man, it was his father-in-law who had been a good friend of Joey Lomangino. And he, the father-in-law was an investment banker who was actually very instrumental, you know, decades later in, in helping Joey Lomangino sell his um, recycling business in New York City. And so I just began to learn more. I, uh, my wife and I went there first in 1994. And, and, and uh, from what we saw and, and things that we had written, it just built on itself. And then we visited again when we were in Portugal for the 100th anniversary of Fatima uh, in July of 2017. So we just, you know, did this little trip up into Santiago and other places and then ended up in Santander and Garabandal. And so in those years, I had learned so much more and more pieces had fit together. So it just even made more sense for me. So what I decided to do after I saw what was going with the direction of the church, especially when the synod was announced and there was the prophecy of a pope going to Moscow, I decided to write, finally write a book on it after having written on the subject for over 30 years with several hundred pages cumulatively. So I put it together in a book. And frankly, it leaves you breathless. As we were just talking a little bit before the show, when you look at this material in its totality, this material is actually the divine intervention with everything that's going on in the world. This is where um, heaven intervenes for the correction of the conscience of the world. Could you give us a, an overview of the message and then let's get into each of the points, uh, for instance, the warning, but tell us just an overview of the message of this apparitions from Spain. Well, there's the, over, there's the overview of the messages themselves, and then there's the overview of actually the site. So let, let's let's do the site because it's so much less. But the site, uh, it's, it's a very small village where in 1961, it was so simple when the Blessed Mother first appeared, there was literally not a motor with a moving part in the entire village. Now let's, let's fast forward eight more years. At that point, the United States had sent a man to the moon and brought the crew home safely in 1969. So there's a little bit of the disparity. So the Blessed Mother actually appeared over 2,000 times to four young girls. Uh, three of them were 12 and one was 11. Mary Cruz was 11. And, you know, over four years and four months, think of that, over 2,000 times. So, and, and that's that's the village itself. Very, very simple in the Cantabrian Mountains of northwestern Spain, which would be, you know, it's it's only about 50 minutes from Santander, which is a major city uh, in, in Spain in the north. And so the, the, the messages themselves, they really couldn't be more simple. They're like all of the true and authentic apparitions. First and foremost, it's about the amendment of life. Okay, I don't see a radical message there then it, it's about the centrality of the priesthood and the Eucharist. And then she always talks about prayer, confession, uh, the rosary, um, wearing the scapula. And so there's just 
the rubrics are so fundamental. I've never really understood why so many people have heartburn over it because they're so fundamental and they're so true to the orthodoxy of the faith over the last several thousand years. I mean, what, what could be more true than asking for amendment of life? What were some of them? I mean, it's there's 2,000 apparitions here and messages abound, but what were some of the key elements uh, that you would say of the message? Um, the, the key, uh, let, 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 let me read just two of what I call the bookends that explain a lot. So let me just read that. On um, in October 18th, 1961, the, I call these the bookends. They're the major ones. The Blessed Mother said, many sacrifices must be made. Many penances must be done. We must make many, many visits to the Blessed Sacrament. But first of all, we must be good. If we do not do this, punishment awaits us. Already the cup is filling. And if we do not change, we will be punished. So let's just unpack that briefly. She said, literally, there must be penances. We must make visits to the blessed sacraments. But first, we must be good. Very, very simple. One, two, three. And then I, this is a very scriptural thing. It's what I call in scripture the if-then clause. If we do not do this, then punishment awaits us. Okay, so there's a repercussion for disobedience, and she's specifically saying it here. But then this is a key phrase, already the cup is filling if we do not change. Again, back to the amendment of life, we will be punished. So that's just another word for chastisement. So now fast forward to uh, about four years later, or a little less. On June 18, 1965, she addresses the cup again. She says, as my message of October 18, 1961, has not been complied with and has been made known to the world, I am advising you that this is the last one. Before the cup was filling, now it is flowing over. Now, here is one. This is the portion of the message that gives a lot of clergy heartburn. Many cardinals, many bishops, and many priests are on the road to perdition and are taking many souls with them. Less and less importance is being given to the Eucharist. That's pretty precise. The cup was filling. Now it's flowing over. So what happened in this time frame, you know, in four years? Uh, it should also be noted during these four years, uh, the entire Second Vatican Council took place, you know, of what, what was three major sessions. So uh, the message of many cardinals, bishops, and priests are on the road to perdition and taking many souls with them. This is actually fairly similar to the message of La Salette, not exact, but in spirit and in tone as well as a lot of language. This is also uh, uh, akin to the messages of Aki to Japan. Uh, cardinals against cardinals, bishops against bishops, priests opposing priests, and confreres against confreres. I've got to tell you, as a student of history for all of these decades, I have never seen 
any time in any church history where we have seen open descent of magisterial truth like we're seeing now to where cardinals are at each other's throats bishops are, are you know are being canceled and other things and so we've never had this in open opposition that is akita and that's exactly what's being spoken about here there have been there isn't any question a lot of people would 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 not necessarily be in favor of what a reigning pope would do or say but we've never had this verbal and open dissent like we're watching today and that in and of itself is a uniqueness in the church now there's not many things new in the church and as solomon said nothing new is under the sun but to see bishops and cardinals uh in open dissent in fighting among themselves is new at this level which i think has a lot to do with the internet and all the forms of communication and voicing of opinions for instance just two or three days ago over the issue of blessing same-sex couples the entire continent of africa said we're not going to do it we've never seen that the entire continent of africa they got together, I guess, as a council of bishops and said, we're not complying with the with with uh, the wishes of Pope Francis on that. So and there's a lot more of this going on, as you and I know. Ted, um, so you have the church issue, but you've also got society as a whole. And it seems like it's upside down kingdom. Good is evil. Evil is good. And in your book, you talk about the Spanish Civil War from 1936 to 39 and Gar 20 years after that, and you talk about communism, um, it may be getting a little bit off, but it isn't in a way. Share with us about communism and how all this ties into what's going on today. Well, it, it isn't a little bit off. As a matter of fact, I, if there was any one thing in the book that was more new to me than ever before, I knew I had to study the Spanish Civil War because there was also an apparition in Spain in 1931, uh, 32, 33, at, at a place called Esquioga, which was also in, in northern Spain in the Basque area. And so I literally went and got a book uh, by written by a secular author from California on uh, Esquioga, which was kind of interesting. He was a MacArthur Fellow who won that MacArthur Fellowship. And then um, I went and got a book by probably the leading Spanish scholar in the world on, on Spain, who had, been, who had written 14 books on Spain from the 1880s to, to the present day. And his magnum opus, I quote quite a bit, which is his last book. And if I learned one thing that I hadn't really known a lot about, it was the Spanish Civil War that gave me a lot more understanding of why there and why then. And it's important to understand when the Blessed Mother appears and, 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 and there's any apparition in the world, there is a reason why it's there and why it's then. It's not an arbitrary process where all of a sudden she drops down, but there is an absolute agenda. And so the Spanish War lasted a little over three years from 1936 to 39. And what was going on in Spain at that time, there was a president by the name of Azana, 
A-Z-A-N-A. It's all over the internet if somebody would like to look at it. It's a fascinating study of Spain because at that time, the entire south of Spain was communist, the big cities of Madrid, Barcelona. And the north is where the spirituality was, like Navarre, Burgos, Santander, Avila, um, uh, Loyola, and also, it's also, you know, Francis, of, uh, I'm sorry, um, Ignatius of Loyola. And it's also where St. Dominic was from. So the seminaries were up there and the spirituality was there. So the, uh, the nation was, in essence, divided. And so literally two years after the, uh, 22 years after the end of the Spanish Civil War, is when uh, Garabandal took place. And there wouldn't have been one person even to this little village that would not have had brothers, fathers, uncles, or even themselves, naturally, because it was only 22 years, who had been directly involved or indirectly involved in the Spanish Civil War. Now, mind you, this was about communism because one of the major messages of, of, of Garabandal is when we get near the events, it will be like what was said by Mary Lowley and Conchita, the return of communism. Now that's a very, on a global basis. So that's a fascinating thing to have the return of communism. So that what we're also seeing in the West, it, um, communism is an ism. You know, you've got fascism, you've got communism, you've got socialism, you have Marxism. They're all very different in political philosophy. Communism is simply a world without God. They don't want God in the culture. Now, we know through Mao's march, as well as Lenin and Stalin, that it, it was very, very, very violent. And the communist has to remove a believer from the culture because it's anathema to the direction that tyrant is looking to bring their 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 world that they're in control of at that time. So they have to persecute, torment, and, and kill a believer. So in Spain, 8,000 clergy were murdered by the communists. One reference that I had a footnote was 10,000 clergy, 13 bishops, etc. Several hundred thousand people died in that war, so everybody knew of it. If Americans know of the Spanish Civil War or knew of it, it was probably from the film um, uh, with Gary Cooper and Enric Bergman called For Whom the Bell Tolls, which was the book uh, on, by Ernest Hemingway. And Hemingway fought on the side of the communists in that war. Now, Stalin at that time, he was at full throttle to control uh, the world as best he could. And his sight was not so much on Spain, which he felt he pretty much controlled at that time. Um, his sights were really on France. He felt that if he could topple Spain cleanly, he could take France, which was really the grand prize for him. And that's what we saw Vichy, you know, so where they weren't siding with the United States or the West. And so um, communism is a major, major me message inside Garabandal, and few understand it. I did not understand the Spanish Civil War. I was always a little confused on Franco. 
But Franco was very, very resolute that Spain was absolutely so corrupt, there was no turning it around. And let's face it, and there was probably, you know, for sure, there's always, you know, uh, corruption in any government that's been around for a, a while through patronage and abuse. And, and when that just gets too far down the road, what you see is violence in the street. And but Azana had been a communist and he was a Freemason. And so at Esquioga, they had cardinals, bishops inside Spain even from, which is not an approved apparition, but it's a precursor of what happened in Spain and exactly what was said happened. And that's why so many clergy were very much in favor of it. And it was so popular in Spain, one in 20 people in Spain went to that site. Now, mind you, this is remote. There weren't cars then like there is today naturally. Yet one in 20 Spaniards made their way to the Basque area of Northern Spain. Comment on socialism versus communism, because uh, I remember in the book you mentioned about Gorbachev saying that the reason Russia fell was because they went too fast to trying to get religion out. But isn't socialism kind of a slower walk, but with the same objectives? Well, as I say, you know, um, communism is socialism in a hurry. You know, um, Gorbachev said, since you brought it up, you know, uh, Gorbachev said something fascinating uh, at, at, at the uh, in 1988. It was a thousand year rule of Kiev Rus from Kiev to to Moscow, Kiev to Russia. So that was a trade route. So there was a thousand year rule then at that point in 1988 that started in 1088. So when Gorbachev was at the Presidio in San Francisco, California, he gave a talk after Perestroika, Glasnost and the Soviet Union had ended. And now I had spent two years in Poland in 1990 and 91 and two years in Belarus in 1992 and three and saw the right after the fall of the Berlin Wall and then right during Perestroika Glasnost with Yeltsin, you know, in essence, ceding control that the USSR was over and they could no longer compete with the West. But Gorbachev said something fascinating. He said, had we applied the principles of Antonio Gramsci, we would have achieved our goals quicker. Now, let's. I don't wanna to get too much into Gramsci because that's just a fascinating story in itself. But Gramsci was a political philosopher and he was the head, he was the co-founder of the Italian Communist Party. And so in, in, after he saw the Bolshevik revolution, he then went to Moscow to observe for himself um, this, this country called Russia and see what was happening with this revolution. When he went there, he didn't stay there that long. And, and Gramsci felt that the Soviet experiment of Bolshevism with communism would not last long term. Why? Because the Russian soul was a Christian soul and it was too violent and it would not work long term. So when when Gramsci came back to to Italy, uh, Mussolini feared him and put him in jail. And he wrote in jail something called the prison notebooks. And here's here's the political genius 
of Antonio Gramsci, who I call the greatest political philosopher and thinker since Machiavelli himself, after he both the, uh, you know, wrote The Prince, which is about infiltration from within. So Gramsci wrote the way to take over and, and have the goals of communism in government and in the culture is infiltrate from within, say whatever you need to say, do whatever you need to do to have your goals advanced and bring in people of like mind to take over that institution. That's precisely what has happened in the West. Gramsci has won. Now, you know who wrote a tremendous amount and spoke about Gramsci early in her life? Hillary Clinton. And, and, and then those principles became um, Saul Alinsky's. Saul Alinsky, his first book was not Rules for Radical. It was actually Revelry for Radicals. And then he saw the imperfections in it of how to take over a culture for communism. So then he issued a, a more refined edition called Rules for Radicals. Now, in, in the introduction to that book, um, he literally in the he dedicated his book to Satan as the first great rebel. So this is what we're dealing with yeah. now, specifically in the United States. The Democratic Party is not democratic, and the Socialist Party in the nineteen in the nineteen thirties, the head of the Socialist Party said we have to get away from the word socialist because Americans find it so abhorrent. So they come up with the words liberal and progressive. Shazam! This is where we're at. They have infiltrated right. within. And to back to Garabandal, um, it would be like the return of communism. What's happened, let's just say the United States, I can speak a lot for Australia and the UK and Belgium and other countries, but what's happened in the United States is we have legislated communism. So we have had administrative control of it with what's happening all throughout the government agencies. They're frankly out of control right now as a result of having communist plants in there. They have a communist ideology, and they may not say that, but their ideology and their policies are not progressive and liberal. They're now communist. If you were to take a just step back and look at what we have become as a nation with the incremental erosion of the rights, of all of our rights, decade by decade, we are, in essence, a communist nation. And, and I think if one thing took the bloom off the rose for the blessing of America, it was the two events of 1962 and 1963 by order of the Supreme Court of the United States, where we sealed our fate when we took God in the Bible out of the classroom. And look what's happened since then. Look at the blood in the streets. Yeah, yeah. Ted, you, in the book, you talk about the warning, the uh, chastisement, a permanent sign, and I'm sorry, the chastisement after the permanent sign, but the miracle. Let, let's talk about the um, warning. Uh, they call it different things, but share with us that, because that's, uh, that's something people uh, need to know about. The warning, these events, let's let's put them in perspective of why then, why now, and 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 what this act what these acts may do. 
first, I look at the, these three events, the warning, the miracle, and the permanence sign as like a play. I mean, if you if you look at, you know, um, any any play, whether it's Shakespeare or whatever, you see things build up and then there's a culmination. And so they're like three acts in the same play. Now, each act is distinct with certain things happening in it. But these events are all so close, I lump them together as one play. But yet we do know that there are events that are separate and there's things before and after that happen. But they are, in essence, the play of Garabandal that are very, very major. So the warning is the first. Now, Mary Lowley is the one visionary. Her name was Mary Lowley Mazan. She came to the United States and married American, an American by the name of Lafleur, and she lived in Haverhill, Massachusetts, right on the border of New Hampshire. She died in 2009. Now, she is the one person who knew the year of the warning, but she, it was never going to be announced in advance. So in essence, to the to the core elements of this, since it's not announced, it doesn't change the the timing or anything else of what will or won't happen with her death. Now, the warning is so profound. I have over the last 25 years, 30 years, spoken to as many as 25 or 30 people who have actually experienced the warning in their life. And they each say the exact same thing. And I put two and two stories in the book where I could have put 30. But they're in essence the same. They say, and, and there's there's similar things that happen to the people. They all say it's the single biggest event that could have ever happened to them in their entire life. It's where God shows them as he will judge them at their final judgment. And in every instance, even if it's been an area of grave sin, the individual has no rebuttal because they see it's true. And think of, of scrolling through your um, iPhone where you have pictures and you can just, you know, go quick one after another or go slow if you want to focus. Where there is serious um, mortal sin, the, the movie picture, so to speak, goes slower. And where there is less sin, whether sins of omission or commission, we see them as well. And we also see the sins that we committed that caused others hurt or grievance or where that sin in our own life led to greater sin. So it's a, it, it, what it is is actually a great, great grace. It shouldn't be seen as anything other than a grace. Now, of the, every single person that I've spoken to, there's been a tremendous amendment of life to, I would use the word, absolutely radical. And several people who have written on it said they could not even put down in words what happened for several years. That's how profound it was. They couldn't comprehend it of exactly what happened. And, and, and one person who I read about couldn't even tell their spouse because the spouse, she, the individual was afraid that the, 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 her spouse thought she was nuts. And yet she had seen her life, what had happened and what will happen in the future. But I only put two in the book. One was Stanley Villavicencio, who died for several days. And the doctor 
who had put him in the morgue and knew of everything when he came back to life. You probably know the story of Stanley. The doctor literally left the medical profession and went directly into the seminary. And another was a priest by the name of Father Stephen Shire, who I interviewed for a documentary I did in 1995, to where he had been judged by our Lord, but the and, and was told things as his brains were basically splattered on a road after a horrific car accident, where he heard the, the Blessed Mother intervene for his life to give him one more chance. So these stories, you, they're so big. And if you look at where what it's about is where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more from scripture. This is heaven meeting this heinous, aberrant, awful evil in our midst right now that is destroying the culture, the families, parishes, in every single genre or milieu of our culture. This is heaven now intervening to save us. I had the uh, privilege when I went to Philippines, one of my trips, I uh, traveled with Stanley and went to his home, met his family and things and uh, fascinating case. The the warning, another word for that is would be illumination of the conscience. Would some people know it by that as well? It has several names that are really interchangeable as much as there's different nomenclature. They've been used um, differently with different visionaries. And I put several in the book. One was from Flame of Love, Elizabeth Kindleman. And I intentionally didn't mix and match a lot of people because this I wanted to stay on Garabandal and Garabandal is going to live or die on its own. Yeah. Uh, you can't prop it up with what was said at Fatima or Akita or Guadalupe or anywhere else. It, it, and that's why I stayed principally just on the messages of Garabandal, or else the book could have been 800 pages. But the um, it also has the word in Spanish, aviso, which is warning, a judgment in miniature, a correction of the conscience of the world, or the one that's used a lot is the illumination of conscience. And for my subtitle, I use the divine reset vis-a-vis -vis where we see all of these globalists and like the World Economic Forum in the United Nations trying to reshape our world in a godless pagan culture in their image. So I use to correct the conscience of the world. Now... So, and that's for everybody, Christians, non-Christians, whatever, uh, atheists, that's not just for Christians, right? So everybody in the world. I mean, think of it, you know, I don't know what, what age it's going to go down to, you know, whether it's after First Communion, there's been nothing or anything ever that I've seen of what age other than everyone in the world will experience this grace. It, it's not a day of death. I actually look forward to it. I've asked many times in my adult life to receive it, which I haven't been granted the grace, but I would like to receive it. But uh, it, it, we've been told it's not a day of death, but those that have lived in serious sin, it will be much more difficult. And those that, you know, um, maybe, you know, with the divine mercy, promises where your sins be as scarlet they become white as snow 
I mean, that's an Abrahamic, you know, promise there. I mean, since God cut a, Yahweh cut a deal literally with Abraham for these people called the Hebrews, you know, uh, with a covenant, this promise that was given to St. Faustina of this grace of sins forgiven is Abrahamic. And this here, in my opinion, is going to even be greater because it's going to affect every single person in the world. When I think of Abraham, I think of his great faith, uh, so great that he would walk his son up the mountainside, Isaac, and um, kind of gets back. That's the kind of faith we need to get back to, isn't it? Well, it must have been, you know, a pretty tough walk up there when, you know, Isaac saying, Papi, Papi, where are we going? Why are we going up here? And then Abraham saying, the Lord will provide, you know. So, yeah, this is a supreme act of faith. But this is also the more you study this, the more you see these hooks into other things in the Old Testament, the New Testament, all the way through apparitions through church history. And, and then other connecting things historically, anthropologically, also with the Jews. I have a section in there on Bernard of Clairvaux and St. Thomas of Aquinas that uh, I believe this personally is where the Jews are welcomed back as the elder brothers of the faith. And there's a tremendous conversion. The Blessed Mother said also to Father Gobi at one point, she said, what's coming the, the human mind cannot comprehend. You know, it's interesting. Uh, before this interview started today, I checked my voicemail, and, and the last one just must have come in was from Rabbi Schneider, who's a Messianic Jew, and he wanted to check in with me, and, you know, I don't know what he's going to suggest or propose here, but uh, he had an encounter with Jesus when he was in high school and uh, converted uh, to Christianity, and it's just fascinating all these things going on now okay so Brian, this, is that the, is that the rabbi in new york city uh, i don't know actually where he's based but he grew up in ohio uh near where i went to my fellowship and uh he's on he's got a tv show he's on a radio a lot and he's really a learned person um but i i'm not sure where he's based at um but i want to get to we have this illumination or the warning and then comes uh, a great miracle, probably in the time we have left. Share with us about the great miracle. Well, here's the fat in the fire after this gets back to, you know, um, with uh, after this warning. So, yes, you know, how soon it will be after is an area of speculation to where many modern day mystics are putting it at shorter than what I'm going to say. But I stood true to form to make it consistent that I stayed with the messages of Garabandal and I intentionally didn't go off to pick daisies in other areas, which I could have done because I know a lot of the material. But let me just go over, this is the fat in the fire where there's much, much, much more detail that I've never seen in any apparition. We know from Fatima, we know that there is this country called Russia and that, you know, uh, things would happen there, that it would become the scourge of the earth and cause many, many problems throughout the world. So the, even the material at Fatima um, is much, much less, but it was profoundly true. So let me go over what, uh, because there's quite a few points. 
Now, to go to the end game, the miracle was not only for the conversion of Russia, but for the conversion of the whole world. Russia will convert after this. Fatima was specifically mentioned. It mentioned the name of Russia. It didn't mention China. It didn't mess, me, uh, mention the Islam, the Persian Gulf, uh, Ukraine, or anything else. It mentioned specifically Russia. And that's also what was said at Garabandal, which I find fascinating. I mean, it's a country with 11 time zones that stretches in, in, in the east from Vladivostok uh, to the west to St. Petersburg, which is a massive landmass. That's from the time zone that we're both in all the way to Perth, Australia. Mm. Think about that. So it's mentioned this country, Russia. So that's from us all the way to the west coast, then all the way across that big pond called the Pacific, and then from literally Sydney to Perth. So it, this is a massive thing where Russia again, and then the Blessed Mother said after this, and thus all will love our hearts. Think of that. So there's something so profound, all will love our hearts. Wow. So then let's, let's dive into a little bit with the time we have left about the elements of the miracle. The Blessed Mother said to Conchita, or Conchita released this as, as really the main visionary. It will coincide with an event in the church. On October 1st, 1961, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, which incidentally she came as the Lady of Mount Carmel at Garabandal, told something very important to Conchita. It had to do with a future major church event where there would be, now listen to this, the reunification of the Christians. Whoa, the reunification of the Christians. The description of a great event in the church is an exaggerated but poor translation of the original spoken by Conchita. This was in my research from authors wow. in Spain. It is incorrect to translate the phrase as a great event in the church. The actual phrase was, and then the, the, the Spanish is mentioned, but it can be translated two ways. A particular event, which is an occurrence in the church, or a specific event, which is an occurrence in the church. So think of it, the reunification of Christians. Now, in 1054, we had a split with the Eastern and the Western Rite. Now, here was another gem I found in my research. Our Lady came as Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and then in and the, the date that the, the document was actually signed between the East and the West in 1054, I almost fell off my chair when I saw this. It was signed July 16th, 1054. So is heaven writing straight with straight lines? Possibly, yes. So these are a lot of the hooks you see the more you study this. Mm. So think of it. To imply a reunification means there was a split. So we have never split from Islam because there was never an ideology that was similar. But we had it with the Protestant Reformation. Um, and then we've, we had it with the Eastern and Western Rite. So, so there is this event that could be specific or particular. What that is, is unknown. But there's a lot of speculation with data that it's pointing to several things. It will be the great the, now concentrate on the word the. 
That's the definite article. It will be the greatest miracle ever performed by Jesus for the world. It is supernatural and has never been seen before. It will be explained. It will not be explained by science. So we know the warning, which I've got to mention, the warning is seen and felt. So the world will also see something and have this interior burning and knowledge of what is there being shown. So these things, now the bishop who was told the miracle by Conchita as a young woman, who he, he told his secretary this, he never divulged the miracle. He said, if these girls are not insane, this is the greatest miracle since the resurrection. Mm. So it, it, I mean, it, it literally, this is mind-numbing of what's being said here. If it's true, which I believe it is, Padre Pio will see the miracle, which he did before his death. I have a, several pages or more on Pio, Padre Pio's commitment to, to Garabandal and his interaction with Conchita and, and as all and other things of what he said about the, uh, Garabandal and how much emphasis he put on this. Didn't, didn't he write her a letter? He did. He wrote her a letter, which is... Um, it can be seen. And, you know, he literally said that he was praying for, and, you know, he believed in Garabandal. So would a man like that ever have written a letter if he didn't believe this? And there's the famous phrase where a man who was very, became very well known in Europe, went to confession with, Pad, with Padre Pio, who became a leading theologian and writer in Europe. He said, you know, is Garabandal true? And Padre Pio said, yes, it's true. And he said, and he, and, he, and he advised him to go, as he did Joey Lomangino in confession. The reigning pope will see the great miracle from wherever he is. Before the miracle, something will happen that will cause people to stop believing in Garabandal. Now, I think we've possibly seen some of this already, and I think there could be one in the future. We do know that we were told... Uh, Joey Lomangino, who's called the blind apostle of Garabandal, was um, uh, very committed to Garabandal, spoke all over, and he was supposed to see and receive his sight at the miracle, but he died. So there are many people who fell away. Now, I'm concerned also that where it said, and we can get into this maybe later or something, but... Um, that there is supposed to be the events after a synod. That's another story. And I'm concerned, you know, we know the third year of the synod ends in October 2024. And there can be many people, if it doesn't happen, quote, the next day or immediately after, they can begin to fall away. But a date was never given. So we have to look at this more through spiritual eyes that what was said will happen exactly as it was told, but it won't happen as we perceive. Malachi Martin told me that in his own apartment in 1992, who he was a believer in Garabandal, that um, these events and other things, when the Blessed Mother speaks at authentic apparition sites, they will happen exactly as it was written, but not as we perceive them. And I found that to be true in my life. Ted, I want to ask you one thing uh, regarding the miracle. Won't there be a strong Eucharistic and Marian component in the miracle? 
that's what it says. I mean, we don't know exactly what that is. You know, uh, that's uh, you're now heading into a little bit of the mystery. What could be Eucharistic and uh, and Marian? Now, I've often thought because of St. Faustina, which she speaks about a great event. And I put this on the Thunder of Justice cover for this reason in 1993, after reading what Faustina said, where the where the wounds of Jesus were light would come out as he was hanging on the cross light would come out from his wounds to the world so is that eucharistic i don't know specifically you know but that's something that just makes an awful lot of sense but we don't know what that is specifically what could be eucharistic in marian so the other thing now we're getting specific like i've never seen in any apparition the miracle will occur on a Thursday evening at 8.30 p.m. Spanish time. How's that? A little specific? They're going to live or die by this. The miracle will happen between the, the dates of the 8th and the 16th, inclusive of the months of March, April, May, or June. Now, if anybody does research on this, they're going to see all kind of stuff from Maria Sirocco, who is a good friend, that it's in April. And, you know, it's on a Thursday, what that event could be. Everybody's been looking at their calendars now for about 25, 27 years as we came close to the Jubilee of the year 2000. A lot of people thought events would happen. So March, April, May or June. But yeah, I've heard uh, also where it was said March, April or May or April, May or June. So the two consistent months in there are April and May. Now, a lot of people discount March. I personally heard a VHS tape where Conchita said that on Irish TV. Um, I saw it 30 years ago where she said March, April, May, or June. So never say never and never say always. You know, according to Mary Lowley, that now this the miracle will take place within one year after the warning. Now, we know the operative word there is within. So it's within one year. And it does not mean it happens to be in the same calendar year. But there are stories on that. And it's also where there's anecdotal stories that came out years and years later that it would be in an even number year. So, you know, maybe, maybe not. Did information leak, which often happens with these apparitions in world history? Many times more information does come out over the years through interviews and other things, and people piece yes. things together. So, so I'm just going, you know, with what was said here. It will be on the feast day of a young martyr of the Eucharist. Hmm. Now, a young it doesn't say male or female, boy or girl. But um, there, if you take a look at the early persecution in the church, there are potentially hundreds and multiple hundreds of people that could this be this could be satisfied for, because it's a martyr. It doesn't say a saint; it says a martyr. So who knows? It will last about fifteen minutes. I've also seen you know fifteen or twenty. Whoop de doo! Doesn't matter. Fifteen or twenty. It will be seen in the sky. It will be possible to photograph and televise, but not touch it. All those in the village in the surrounding mountains will see it. Now, here's the zinger for anybody who is in a 
a bad spot physically. This is this is the fat in the fire. This is the sizzle. I mean, all who are present will be cured. The sick who are present at the time of the miracle will be cured. Now, a story here. I was actually in the home of Conchita's brother in Garabandal in, in October of 1994. My wife and my in-laws, we, 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 we heard he was there and we visited with him there. And we talked about this. Um, now, her brother Seraphin was a few years older, I think. Well, I know he was. And um, uh, he said at the time of the miracle, it would be very difficult to travel to Garabandal. Now, what could that be? Okay, you want to draw straws? Okay, what could it be? Could it have been a, a more vicious variant of, of, of a mutant virus where the world is shut down and nobody's traveling, especially in the air? Is it a fuel issue for some reason? Is it, a, is it an issue with war? Is it something specifically in Spain? The answer is, I don't know, but there's a lot of variations on that. And, and what we just saw with COVID, something to do with a more vicious variant is very, very plausible why it would be very difficult to travel there or even restricted by government. Ted, I'm going to say I, I, I've i got to get you back for another show. Uh, I want to get more into a little bit detail on the warning and then the permanent sign and the um, chastisement contingent upon how people respond and there's so th this book you've written is so incredible. Uh, I encourage people to get it. Garbandal, the warning and the great miracle. Um, you've done such research and review on this. You're a just incredible writer, uh, wealth of knowledge. And uh, Ryan, do I have? Can, can I do one? Uh, yeah, thirty yeah, seconds. One. Yeah. I don't know what we're fighting the clock here as always. But let me just finish. Sinners and non-believers will be converted. We're told that. So this is just to kind of finish the aspects of what we do know without speculation said by the girls years from 1961 to 65 without me interpolating or extrapolating my personal views or what others said. So Russia will be converted after the miracle. Conchita said about this supernatural event, before the miracle, there will be many reported apparitions throughout the world. And so we've seen that. But Conchita, who knows the date of the great miracle, will announce it to the world eight days in advance. That's the last major component of what was said there. So Conchita is going to, after the warning, we know it's between March, April, May, or June. So what Conchita is then going to do is she's going to announce, okay, you know, as we know, you know, as we, we have a calendar and everybody should have their passport ready, and do what they need to do to if they do want to go over and think if you have a very ill loved one in all those categories of loved one and and you and the promise is the individual who goes there will be cured what a promise and, and you know and it's interesting when mother angelica after being in leg braces for 42 years which nobody could have ever denied of every single place that she uh, could have gone to to give thanks, she went to Garabandal. Mother Angelica was a big believer in it and even had Joey on her show. Um, 
Mother Teresa was a believer in it and very, very vocal about it. There's testimony to that. Um, Padre Pio believed in it, very resolute and firm on that with documentation and meetings and everything else. And then we know Pope Paul VI was a believer, as was John Paul II. So, you know, those are some pretty heady individuals on top of the cardinals and bishops and other people who are believers in it. So it has credibility. It 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 ends. I'll just end with this is really a message of hope. And and for me, being healed of my medical condition is not nearly important as being healed spiritually and being converted, uh, the world being converted. So, Ted, I want to congratulate you on your book, Garabandal. You can get it at sign.org, Amazon, Kindle. Uh, we're going to get you back for part two. There's so many, we do many, many, many shows on this, but uh, thank you for joining me today on Mercy and Bound, and I'll get you back real soon, and we'll do another show on Garabandal. So thanks good, again. Good, good, good. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel for the video portion. The podcast can be heard at anchor.fm slash drbryan, B-R-Y-A-N, Thatcher, T-H-A-T-C-H-E-R and on all the major podcast forums. I would love to speak at your church or conference, and please consider supporting our efforts to spread the truth to a hurting world. Thank you again. And for more information, go to the website at drbryanthatcher.com.